Welcome to the PWGC Environmental Echo. I'm your host, Paul Boyce, President and CEO of PWGC. Today with me, I have two guests, uh, one from PW Grocer, who's Regina Bykoff, one of our uh, project managers and engineers, as well as a professional geologist. And I also have Jim Barker, the president of Roanoke Sand and Gravel. Today, we're going to be talking about construction materials here on Long Island. Um, that's why we brought Jim in. He owns and operates a sand and gravel mine here on Long Island. Um, the primary topics we're going to cover today is the construction materials industry on Long Island, uh, the products that are typically produced at a, a facility, uh, like a sand and gravel mine, and some of the regulatory aspects that oversee and permit these facilities. You know, it's a very interesting topic. It's gotten a lot of press lately here on the island, and uh, we're, we're glad to have Jim with us today to, to, to learn more about this. So with that, let's get rolling into the, uh, the real, the, the, the dirt, uh, as we'd say here. <laughs> so Jim, can you tell us a little bit about your facility or your site out in the Middle Island there at Roanoke Sand and Gravel? Yeah, so it's a 300-acre site. Um, we've been there since 1984, family-owned and operated business, and um, it's been a mining site, as far as we can tell, since the late 40s. We're able to uh, provide material for high-strength concrete um, used in a lot of infrastructure, bridges, tunnels, um, high-rise buildings, um, things of that nature. Oh, wow. So it's, it's been a mine since the 1940s, going back to like the World War II era. So when it first started out, you know, were they mining the material for a specific use or uh, any type of specific product that you can tell that may be different from what you're doing today? Uh, yes. Uh, when I first started, it was a what we call a dry screening operation because everything was mined above the water table, and it was it was used uh, mostly uh, probably more locally than anything because um, at that back back in the day, let's say there were. Uh, many sand operations around Long Island and lots of material, uh, lots of availability unlike today where materials are a lot scarcer and harder to extract or even find a mine site. Oh wow, interesting. So when you're mining the product, right, so you mentioned years ago it was a dry screen, you know, and today you're, you're actually below the water table. Can you tell us in today, you know, what's the process? How do you get this, the sand, the gravel out of the ground? What do you do with it once you get it up? You know, how do you handle it? How do you store it? How do you treat it before it leaves your site? Sure. Well, we started off with a dry operation, which is basically um, screening and processing equipment that handles dry materials. Um, since we started to to mine underwater, the um, we use dredges. So typically, as you might see out off the uh, shoreline of Long Island um, at certain times of the year, bringing beach back up. We, we use the same kind of e equipment. So we use dredges out in the, uh, out on the lake. So it's a, it's a hydraulic dredge. Yes, hydraulic dredge. Pumping. Yep, so we pump, um, we pump a great amount of water and material up to a, uh, a plant that's able to take material in a wet capacity. And that plant, that processing plant takes materials and it separates the gradation and it, it kind of lays the gradation out so that we can then bring the components we need back into a material that we're trying to create, like a, like a concrete sand or an asphalt sand or, or maybe it's a mason sand. So our plant has the ability to segregate the gradation and then bring it back together um, to, to produce whatever material we'd like. 
So, you know, not to get too technical for people, but when you talk about gradation and separation, you know, how's that done? I've, I've seen it done with, you know, uh, shakers through various it's, screens. Yeah, it know. starts It starts with that. It starts with a shaker where it, it first removes any of the oversized gravel, anything from like three-eighths of an inch and up is removed at the first process. The second process, it comes through a uh, what's called a classifying tank, and a classifying tank is where it separates all the sizes of grains in the sand. And it's all uh, computer controlled. Um, we're able to then plug in a recipe, we call it, to make a certain type of sand. And it, it tells the plant exactly what valves to open. So we have a, a big trough, basically, with um, coarse to fine sand. And it'll open valves and it'll take the necessary gradation it needs to create the recipe that we've plugged into the uh, computer. So concrete sand, state, con New York State approved concrete sand, um, asphalt sand, many different types of material. Interesting. Um, roughly, you know, what's your processing capabilities? How many tons or cubic yards could, could your site, your facility do in say a, a day or a week or a month? So, so we, we can do, our plant can do, uh, we, we could probably produce about a thousand ton an hour, if 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 our, it all depends on how the the dredge rate is and how how much material he's pumping. But typically, we do uh, about a million and a half tons we process every year, or have that capacity to do that. Yeah, um, we 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 sell or we move across our scale anywhere from four hundred thousand to a million tons a year. Wow, that's a lot of sand and gravel. Yes, that's a lot. <laughs> so as the mine gets deeper, right, mm -hmm. you're going a little bit below, further below the water table, does it take longer to mine it, or is it just the same rate? Or is it any, any uh, you know, obstacles that get, get with, uh, or become prevalent with depth? Or Yeah, actually with our dredges, um, the depth doesn't really have effect on the production. The distance, uh, the further out we are in the lake, certainly the more pipeline we need to put in to get it to the plant. So that, that does take away from production a bit, but um, it's, it's, once it's running, it's very capable of producing. Uh, that's great, you know, and I, I know we've, we've worked with you guys for years, right? And I know you've got equipment out over a lake now, effectively, which is mm -hmm. essentially hydraulically connected to groundwater. Right. Um, and I know you guys use equipment that does not have a lot of hydraulic fluids. It's usually electrically operated, maybe uh, with natural gas generators. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's sure. what you guys do to, to really, you know, protect the environment. Sure. Well, once we once we got the um, the approval on on dredging into the into the water, um, we decided we wanted to keep it really safe. We wanted to keep it clean. We didn't want to take any chances with any fuel transfer. Typically. A dredge might be a diesel-operated dredge, and you'd have fuel transfer out on the water. Uh, we chose to go electric with everything so that there is no fuel out on the water. There's no oils. There's no lubricants, basically. Um, the processing plant is fully electric, and we produce our own power. We have a, a three-meg generation plant that um, is run on natural, natural gas. So it's a very, very clean, clean operation. Jim, that's, that's great, and that's what I think our listeners are looking to hear, you know, keep it clean, keep it safe. Um, you, you started to touch on some of the different products that you guys manufacture, you know, from the mining. Uh, you mentioned a, like a, a mortar-type sand, and 
you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with some of your um, concrete products, the asphalt products, the, the big major construction type stuff. But I, I know you guys, you know, you can get into some real specialty stuff there yes. too. Would you mind telling us what else you guys can make besides, you know, sidewalks and roadways type of things? Sure, <laughs> absolutely. We, so we're asked to come up with uh, a lot of different mixes and a lot of different f uh, specification material that's, that's really only our plant is, is capable of producing. We also produce on a local level uh, as well concrete and asphalt on a, on a local level uh, for residential use and um, you know for any kind of site, site plan work. Um, we make materials for the equestrian community. We make um, materials for New York Racing Association. So we do, we do racetrack surface materials. We do uh, arena surface materials. We provide materials for, uh, you know, any of the people on Long Island who even have a couple of stalls in their backyard. Wow. So we do that. And, and the other thing that we do is we make a lot of specialty materials for golf courses. So we supply pr pretty much just about every golf course on Long Island. Uh, Westchester County, we do a bunch, Connecticut. So that, that has become also another like specialty market for the materials. Uh, that's, that's good to know because after I get done on a golf course, they, they need to be speaking to you. you know, <laughs> I, I'm a hack. That's, that's great. Uh, do you do anything for like playgrounds or yes. sandboxes or anything like yes. that that's safe for kids? And we do. We, we have sometimes people come in and look for playground sand. And of course, you know, uh, we provide that. Good to know. And what about the, the pea gravel? You know, what are people buying and using that for? I mean, explain how you get that out of the, the sand as well. But Sure, sure. And, and the 3 uh we call pea gravel. Um, comes out in our screening process uh, you know when we, we we come through our shakers and that gets typically used uh, it get used in concrete as well it gets used uh, for a lot of decorative purposes um, probably most of the driveways out out on the South Fork are it's a real rich looking uh, gravel and a lot of people like it for uh, you know for driveways and different pieces like that we we use it um, for certain types of concrete mixes that um, had need a certain look to it. So, so it goes out to a lot of the local guys there as well. And it also gets used in some environmental work. Oh, we can attest to that. You know, certainly we use it with a lot of drainage type projects, um, embedding tanks right. in the ground. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a really valuable material. Right. You know, people don't realize it's, they just think it's pebbles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, you guys are a local Long Island firm. You know, about how many people do you employ? Right now we employ 23. So, yeah. Good. Those are all full-time employees? Yeah. And they work from, I assume, from the office-type personnel to guys that are operating the machinery and right. the equipment on site? Correct. Yeah, we have operating engineers there and um, mainly in the plant and uh, equipment operators, plant operators, and our office staff. We have uh, quality control and uh, a few, few pieces like that. Do you have any delivery guys or trucks? We do not truck ourselves. So um, our, all of our customers provide their own delivery, you know, their own transportation needs. Ah, okay, great. Thank you, Jim. Uh, moving into away from the products and the, and the industry itself, but more along to the regulatory aspects. You know, this is a heavily regulated, re regulated industry here on the island which is important, you know, as we, we just discussed, the, the environment, you know, it's in the environment, it's interacting with the environment, you know, 
it's it's so we've we've got to be careful with what we do. Um, that said, you know, um, we at PWGC we do a lot of permitting. Um, Regina, can you tell us a little bit about the permitting process for uh, a sand and gravel, you know, construction materials mine? Sure. Um, so the permitting process for a mine here on Long Island and, and throughout New York State is pretty extensive. Um, when we have a client that is looking to mine a property, the first thing we'll do is take a look at the, that particular property. Um, we'll take a look at what its past uses are so that we can identify if there could be any potential environmental concerns at the property. We'll take a look at the um, surrounding properties to identify if those could contribute to any sort of potential environmental issues at the mine site. Um, once we do that, we take a look at, we um, often will recommend that we install some soil boring so that we can take a look at what the type of material is. If the material is something that looks like it could be a good product, um, we'll install some monitoring wells, we'll get some baseline sampling, um, and usually with that we're looking at uh, a whole range of analytes, um, SVOCs, VOCs, metals, pesticides, herbicides. Um, so it's, it's a, a pretty extensive list. Um, so once we've collected all of the information, we compile it into what's called a hydrogeologic report. Um, it talks about the types of material that is at the site. Um, it talks about groundwater quality. The report also talks about, again, the surrounding uses or past uses at the property. Um, this is used as a supplement to the permit. And the reclamation um, plan is basically a plan that shows what the final use of the site is. So for Jim's site, um, he has a reclamation plan and the final use is eventually a construction of, uh, I think, a 172-acre lake. If I was, if Jim bought a new piece of property and, and wanted to dig a new mine, how long would it take, you know, from the beginning to get his permit, you know, in, in terms of, is it months, years, decades? How long does the, the permitting process take? It's an extensive process. It's expensive. Um, best uh, timeline would probably be about two years um, between the initial uh, site investigation, um, baseline sampling, and then design and permitting. Two years. Wow. At least. That's, that's quite a wait. But what if he's got an existing mine, like we do at Roanoke Sand and Gravel, and he wants to either expand it horizontally or, or vertically, go deeper? Is that a similar lengthy process? It is. Yes, it's, it's similar. We're still going through the same steps as far as um, site investigation. Um, you know, if, the, if they, for example, if a site wants to go deeper, we're going to be dropping some soil borings in there and trying to figure out, is it feasible, what the material is like? Um, and then... It's a, it's a new mine plan, a new reclamation plan, a new mining narrative, a modification to the permit. And uh, so, the, yeah, that's about probably maybe a little less than two years, but still in that same time frame. Um, as far as the regulatory agencies, you know, what kind of oversight do they have? You know, once the mine's up and running, do they visit the site? Are they inspecting it? I mean, I know we're sending them reports, you know, and, and stuff like that, but what, what's their role? What do they do? So... The DEC Mineral Division is heavily involved in all of the sites across New York State. Um, we're in Region 1. Uh, 
that division will come and inspect the mines. Yeah, the yeah the D as far as the DEC, they they are probably monthly um, mm -hmm. come and visit the site and keep an eye on things for you know with us. That's pretty frequent. Yeah. And when they, you know, when there's something that they find that needs to be addressed, they'll come out there and, you know, look at it and make sure it was addressed. Um, there are, uh, for some of the sites, groundwater sampling requirements, those in the permit. And so those get reported, those results for the groundwater sampling at these mines get reported to the DEC um, based on what the permit condition states. So it could be quarterly, it could be twice a year. Um, groundwater here in Long Island, you know, we're a sole source aquifer. That's where we get all our water from, whether it's for drinking, irrigating, cooking, cleaning, whatever it is, you know, so it's a, it's a precious natural resource. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of public concern lately about, you know, construction materials or, or sand mines and, and the water table and, and how it may impact it. So um, what, what's, what's being done right now to monitor groundwater quality at, at a sand and gravel operation? Uh, so f at Jim's site, again, he mm -hmm. has a network of monitoring wells, um, some shallow, some deep. They are monitored and sampled on a quarterly basis. Um, we are analyzing for total and dissolved metals, SVOCs, VOCs. It's a very long it's list. Extensive it's extensive list, huh? Yeah. It's, uh, and again, I, I mentioned it earlier, it's not unsimilar to what you would find at uh, any sort of other kind of remedial or environmental site. Uh, another sort of hot topic with sand and gravel mines has been, uh, you know, it's been associated with this and illegal dumping, you know. It's, it's been in the news lately here in Long Island, New York City. Um, my understanding is solid waste is not permitted to be placed into a mine. Correct. Can either of you guys elaborate on that? You know, what's, what's the regulations? Who's enforcing that? Who's making sure it's not happening? So again, the, the DEC has a division that goes out to these mines and they do inspections. Um, if they see something like that, they would definitely um, trigger a violation. Um, part of most of these permits also include, you know, a, a condition that they're not to be dumping um, material from offsite into the mine site. On another note, waste uh, disposal is also um, permitted under another uh, division at the DEC, the Solid Waste Division. Yeah. Dust control is, is another issue. Um, being that it's a wet operation, pretty much everything is pretty moist, so we don't, we don't typically get the dust that we used to years ago when we were dry screening. Um, but we, we mitigate that with uh, vehicles that we have to, to put water down on our driveway, um, a lot of our roads throughout the, the, the sand pit. So we keep, we keep dust control um, very, very clean as well. There's, there's, again, because it's a wet operation, doesn't really create that kind of dust that it used to or that a, that a typical dry operation would. That's good to know. What about, say, like declines in the water table? Regina, any comment on that? Uh, there's been some studies um, and some research done. Uh, we actually put together some research uh, based on some concerns of a civic association on Long Island that uh, thought that a local mine was drawing down the water table in their neighborhood. And uh, we did not find any evidence that that was the cause. Um, what we did find is that the water table rises and falls in a cyclical pattern. 
Um, so there'll be periods of drought where the water table is lower, and then years later there could be periods of time where the water table is up higher. So, Jim, you mentioned, you know, you guys have been doing this, uh, the Barker family, since 1984. We know the aerial extents or the horizontal extents of the mine. We know how deep you can go. Um, you've got a good idea of how much material is left that you can probably mine out. How much longer, you know, how so much longer can you go at this site? That, that's the big question uh, a lot of people have. And it's, it's, it's really hard to nail that down because it depends on the volume of material being used, you know. We, we, we probably, at our maximum, we've, we've put across our scale a million and a half tons a year. Right now, we're down to about, probably about 400,000 tons. So that's, that's a substantial drop in business. Just looking at a crystal ball, you know, we've got this, whatever, $2 trillion infrastructure spending plan coming out, you know. A lot of that's going to go to New York. A lot of that's going to go to New York City and Long Island. Um, you can see our infrastructure, the roads, bridges, a lot of stuff is crumbling. You know, we need to get to work. We need to get work fast. We're going to need these materials. I would see that as a, you know, a potential uptick in business for you guys in terms of, you know, demand. What yes, do you think? That, that will absolutely accelerate tonnage for us. Um, hopefully we do get to that point. Our roads are in dire, dire need. Um, but yes, if, if that bill um, comes through and, and we get to the spending that's needed, I would imagine our volume is going to increase quite a bit. So we're getting to the end, but I, I do want to just ask, you know, um, you guys, if you maybe can just explain the importance of, of sourcing our materials locally as opposed to, you know, if we stop mining on Long Island, what happens? You know, we still need this material. You know, where are we going to get it from? How much more is it going to cost? I mean, there's, you know, trucking it in longer distances, more carbon emissions or greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, what, what's what's your take on that? Well, yeah, it's it's a concern. Uh, most people are not aware of the fact that um, sand and gravel is depleting throughout the world. Forget just Long Island, but, but right here on the island, it is going to be a, a major problem. If we're producing in our pit alone a million tons a year, that's a million tons of material that needs to come across the bridges to be brought onto Long Island. So, so that beats up the infrastructure big time and creates a lot more traffic, a lot more emissions. Uh, it compounds things tremendously. It's, it's essential that the mining operations, the existing mining operations are, are, are allowed to continue the process until we can extract the materials that are, are really there. The truck the materials too um i think as when you get between 30 to 50 miles uh, yes. from a construction site the cost exceeds the cost to truck the materials exceeds the cost of the materials yes that's that's correct and and because of the depletion of materials the the the, the price for materials is is coming up and of course regulation doesn't get that easy either so there's a lot of extra costs in producing this material especially when you're dredging um, it it creates a lot more expense um, the trucking numbers will be you know they could double the cost of of the material itself um, really that's that that's a reality that could be we could be facing once we do deplete them wow all right so 
can you tell me what, what's so special about Long Island sand? You know, there's, there's New York City wants it for construction. Other places, you know, it's, it's a pretty well sought after material. So what, what differentiates our sand from, say, other areas of the country or even the state? Sure. Well, typically throughout um, the Northeast Coast, uh, there's the deposits of, of material left behind from glaciers or wherever way back, way back before I was around. Um, they, the Northeast has a great, great quality of material. It's, it's a, uh, if, you, if you can picture it, um, a lot of sand mines, especially as you move south, or even as you move east on Long Island, the sand tends to get fine. And the, that means the particles are smaller. And it's, it's all quartz, so it's a hard material. But what's used in, in higher strength concrete and for, for, for stronger concrete is a, a sand that's coarser. So this sand in the Northeast is typically coarser than you would find down south or in other parts of the country. Um, there are other deposits of, of good sand and gravel around the country, but the Northeast happens to have it naturally, and it's really what's needed to make really, really strong concrete. Very interesting. So, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, there's, there's, there is a finite amount of material that you can haul out of the ground, your, your reserves, you know, and, and once you deplete that, you know, we, we've got this massive hole, right, a lake. What is the, uh, the intention, you know, once we're done mining here? Is it going to be, what's, what's the reclamation? You know, Regina mentioned the reclamation plan. She started to go into that. You know, what's the, what's the long-term plan for the site once, once you guys are done? Well, just to answer the reclamation piece, we do concurrent reclamation with our mining. So, so typically that's been a concern of the public is a, a mine operation happening and then no reclamation Today, the DEC is, is really strong on that, and that's really what the, de, you know, the mining permit is all about, is um, reclamation and, and making sure that we're mining to a regulation. And you um, provide a bond for that. Yes, we, we have to put up a bond um, to cover whatever reclamation is on site, um, which we do. And, but in our site, we're, we're doing it concurrently with the mining so that uh, we don't have to go back and do it. So when we finish areas of the mine, we reclamate it. Our, our biggest reclamation is some of our slopes there, maybe 150 feet of elevation. They're all vegetated at this point. They're all completed. Uh, perimeter road around the, the lake as well. So at this point today, we, we have, uh, you know, our, our, our reclamation is a lot simpler than it used to be. We've really finished all of the harder reclamation. So we just move along as we mine with that. Oh, wow. And then, and then at the end, uh, Paul, it'll be, it'll be a, a beautiful lake. I have to say the water is, is something out of the Caribbean, you know, when it sits long enough. And uh, there'll be plenty of wetland and, and you know, uh, fish habitat, um, wildlife. Um, it'll be public used, I would imagine, back in, you know, when it's, when it's completed. And that was my next question. Is there going to be public access, you know, it's... That, People that, are going to be yes. anxious to get out there and, and recreate, I suppose. Yes, that, that is the intention. Uh, there are some designated parking areas and some, some shallow parts to the lake that are created. Um, yeah, and at, at its end, it'll be, I would imagine, it'll, it's just going to be a, a park-like um, area where people can come and enjoy. 
Not that I'm in any hurry to get there, Jim, but I'm dying to see what it looks like when it is done. You know, it does sound like it'll be very nice, you know, attracting waterfowl and it'll be stocked with fish and the, the vegetation and, uh, you know, access. You know, people can boat, fish, swim, whatever it's going to be, kayak, canoe. Could be a fun place. So I just want to thank Regina Bykov from PWGC and Jim Barker from Roanoke Sand and Gravel for joining us today on the PWGC Environmental Echo. It was a very interesting and exciting topic on the construction materials industry here on Long Island. Uh, I am Paul Boyce, PWGC President and CEO, and I just want to thank you guys for listening. I also want to let you know that we, if you want to reach out to us for more information or just contact us for any reason, you can get to us at our website, which is pwgrocer.com backslash podcast and just to whet your appetite a little bit our next series of podcasts are going to be based on the brownfields cleanup program here in uh, long island and new york city Uh, looking to do a three-part series on that as well and I, i hope you enjoyed today's topic and i look forward to you guys joining us on our next